Stories move hearts and hearts move impact. Slingshot Stories. 10 to 15 minute episodes built around what we believe to be really practical key areas of impact that are going to help you grow in your understanding of what impact is and how you can accomplish it. Everybody's on planet Earth for a reason. Find your sweet spot, get off the bench, and get in the game. Hey there, I'm Ed Gellantine, along with my co-host Jared Barnett, the CEO of Slingshot Memphis, and we're here with you for another episode of Slingshot Stories. I feel like I say this every time, Jared, but I'm pumped again about the topic. Let's dive right in. What does it take for an effective technical training program? Um, Got some really neat stories about what's going on in Memphis, but this is an area maybe we need to have some significant disruption. Where do y'all see in at Slingshot? The first thing I'd say is that I think there's a generation or maybe two that has kind of gotten away from technical training and the trades being compelling careers. Yeah. Right. I mean, I grew up and, you know, my middle school had a, a shop and it was covered in cobwebs and old archaic, you know, equipment. Nobody actually used it. And, right. And going to a trade school was, had this, you know, kind of. Kind of beneath you. Yeah, it just, yeah. It just had this stigma to it. Right. Yeah. Weird. Uh, and so, you know, it was for so long, it was this idea of, you know, you got to go to a four year degree or yep. you know, other things that kind of kept pushing. And one of the things that is we've worked with effective poverty alleviation, we've realized that for people experiencing poverty, the trades are actually a phenomenal way to get out of poverty and much more accessible right. than from a financial, a just location standpoint for a variety of reasons for, for people than a, a four-year degree is. And so it's something that we've um, seen being very effective at helping uh, contribute to alleviating poverty. And we've had an opportunity to work with several of the organizations here in the city uh, that provide those kind of technical training services that have helped us learn some things that make those more effective than others. I'm glad you, well, you, you mentioned, as always, a bunch of things we could chase down. And, and you and I have talked about this offline about sort of this issue with people being obsessed with four-year college degrees. And and I am not knocking those, right? But uh, I remember um, a friend of mine who owns a an, an investment company, and he hires analysts, right? And so we typically uh, sort of see those as, you know, uh, Armani suits and uh, making a lot of money. But he said, Ed, I can hire a top-level CFA four-year degree in finance for $60,000 a year. I get that. That's that's good money, not knocking it. I also know that it's a step uh, to, to do other things for many of those men and women. However, if you're not really wired for that, you don't really want to go to a four-year school, and that's just not your passion or your heart, and maybe you're good with your hands or you know whatever. You're interested in a trade. I mean, you can do that in a year or two. You can apprentice. That's a, a, a term from a bygone era. And I know right now that after you go through your apprenticeship as an electrician or an HVAC employee here in Memphis, you'll be well past the $60,000 a year and potentially doing what you enjoy, helping a lot of, of people. I mean, and I'm not trying to be a smart aleck about it, but think about um, an elderly person in the middle of the summer in Memphis that doesn't have air conditioning. Like, that's a problem. And we don't have enough people to go fix it, so it has consequences. So um, I digress. But talk about how uh, some of these uh, groups in Memphis uh, are, are really having an impact. 
Yeah, so this was a, a unique institute. So we worked with an organization that offers several different technical training. They call them tracks, right? So mm -hmm. plumbing, HVAC, uh, trades, automotive. And as we studied the benefit-cost analysis of these different tracks, most of them were in a comparable range. All of them were providing value, right? They were you know, doing great things. But there was one track that was two to three times greater benefits really? than the others. And so that caught our attention. We're just like, well, what, what's happening yeah. in this track? And as we looked into it, uh, it wasn't necessarily the industry, right? It wasn't like, well, hey, you know, there's just no HVAC people in the world, so they're paying three times the salary. It was a comparable industry in the sense of nothing industry-wide was really driving that. And so we, we dug a bit further with them and we realized there's a, a handful of things here. Um, and then we were able to substantiate those with research for, you know, on other programs across the country that stood out. And the first thing that I think comes out is that this program that had produced this track with disproportionate benefits was actually developed with the employers. So from day one, they, the employers were involved in saying, what do we need in terms right. of the people we're hiring? What Which skills? makes common sense, right? You think, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and, uh, you know, and what it was great is it wasn't just one or two of these employers, it was an association of these employers. So you got to get a large number of them together and get them aligned, which is often very hard. And they said, hey, here's the, the skills we need, right? Here's the equipment we need them to be able to work on. And in this particular case, those employers actually bought that equipment so that this technical training like program could have the actual equipment wow. that they wanted them trained on. And so having all of that done up front instantly aligns what that program is doing in the training aspect with exactly what the employers need. So there's no kind of, I hope this is what employers want. It's yeah. this, we know this is what employers it's want. It's almost like they're walking right into a job they've already been doing for 18 months or whatever. Wouldn't that help? Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was kind of the first thing that happened is that you have this great alignment up front with the employers to help design that program. Uh, the second thing is that there was an apprenticeship model that you alluded to, right, that was built into this program that ensured that the program participants didn't just get the academic learning in a classroom didn't just get the advice of their you know, instructor, who often is a professional, former professional in that space, but they actually got to be on the job working with professionals who could give them the practical advice and experience of what it's like. And yep. I think that has two really valuable contributions. One is it helps learning, right? From a learning perspective, sure. I'm learning what's Hands happening. On. I get a better understanding of how to do this, you know, the skills in a practical context. Uh, but two, it gives the employers a chance to see what these people are like, yep. right? And they get this opportunity to understand how do they interact with their other colleagues, right? Are they someone that they would feel comfortable with? Do they take coaching and feedback, right? And so you get this uh, almost kind of like evaluation period as an employer, and you get a chance to provide them additional skills or, or coaching and feedback. And you can go back to the, the training program and say, hey, you know, this person could really benefit from some support in this area, you know, is there a way that you can help provide that as they go through the rest of the program? And so you're doing a lot more, again, than just training and hoping it works, but you're getting this benefit both for the, the student, right, an apprentice, mm -hmm. as well as the employers who are ultimately want to hire these people. So Blazing fast feedback loop, I suspect, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and nothing works hard. better than when you're messing up on someone else's <laughs> car in real time. Yeah, you're exactly. going to tell you. Yeah. yeah, for real. And then the third thing that really stood out about this program was that there was a paid internship built into it. And so 
what that did is the way this worked is this paid internship started with fewer hours about halfway through the program. But by the time it got to the last semester, that last semester was almost exclusively a paid internship and just being on the, you yeah, know, the, the mechanic shop yep. doing this work. And so, again, that builds into some of the apprenticeship piece, but it also provides income. Right. And so what it does is it provides a way for people to actually participate in this program and not have to go work a second job in the same way they would if they weren't getting paid in this internship. And so it makes it more accessible for people who may not have the resources to pursue a program like this, um, you know, on their own savings, if the, you know, depending on what yeah. their situation mm-hmm. is. And so that had, you know, both the income benefit, but also the accessibility benefit that allowed this to benefit people experiencing poverty in a greater way. And therefore the improvement that, of benefits that they saw from where they started was much more dramatic as well. That's interesting. And I, I think it's worth emphasizing your last point, because you talked about designing the program in concert with the employer. You talked about the apprenticeship, and I was actually thinking maybe we should call that mentoring because some uh, somehow apprenticeship maybe gets a bad rap. I love the term because I like etymology, but um, the idea of having somebody show you hands-on anything, any job, any skill is amazing. Well, but and that- on that point, too, I, I started my career in management consulting, mm-hmm. right? very much a white-collar career. I was in the apprenticeship model there. Most of what I learned was not in formal training courses. Right. It was from engagement managers and partners in that consulting firm who guided me through how to do things, that gave me feedback on things. And so personally, I can attest to how valuable that model was for yep. me in my own life. And that was in a very different environment than the trades, where I think we often think of apprenticeship, right? Yep. But it applies in a lot of other industries too. And is very effective in those other industries just as well as it is here in a more hands-on industry. Yeah, but let's let's kind of wrap up on the paid internship thing. Everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but you hear a lot of old school people, why am I paying? And they don't know anything. They're getting all this knowledge from me. Uh, this is just an observation, right? When you don't pay an insur- intern, they tend to make coffee. When you pay them, you tend to say, I'm invested in them. I'm going to put some time and energy in it. So it's it's more important, I'm going to argue, for the employer to pay for the intern than it is for the intern to get that money because it's not really commensurate, right? But it it's just like anything else. You value what you put into it. And so as we land this plane, I'm super pumped. We're going to get to hear from some more tech people here in Memphis. Um, I mean, an unbelievable story. Hopefully they can cram that into 30 seconds, but started in 1939. Um, Just a a fantastic story, but they're doing this stuff and having crazy impact. Um, And so we're going to talk to them and hear what's going on with them in our next episode. Dude, thanks for joining us. Uh, For everybody listening, thank you for joining us. And until next time, all the best. Thank you for listening. We love your feedback, so please let us know what you thought about this episode as well as what you'd like to hear more of in the future. For more information, impact resources, or to purchase a copy of the book, Journey to Impact, visit edgillentine.com. That's E-D-G-I-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.com. The book is also available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. For Ed Gillentine speaking inquiries or advertising opportunities, send us an email at ajourneytoimpact.com at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the Journey to Impact podcast team. Executive producer, Ed Gillentine. Produced and edited by Joey Woodruff. Special thanks to Stephen Chandler. Mm-hmm.